Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you this morning to worship. And as we begin, we begin with one of the most joyous acts of the church, and that's a baptism. We have coming this morning... Kayung Kim, and Kayung is coming when you know that she believes in Jesus and wishes to follow him for the rest of her life. She's been very active in uh, all of our ministries, is actually what a two-time Bible Drill State Champion uh, that is there as well. And Kayung accepted Christ on Christmas Eve and wrote her testimony, and I wanted to read that to you. She said, yesterday evening, 12 18 I made my decision to make Jesus the Lord of my life. After talking to my mom about how she believed, I was ready. I realized that I'd been thinking about it the wrong way. I've always thought that in order to get baptized, I had to have a strong relationship with Jesus already. I thought I had to pray a lot, read my Bible every day, and be a good Christian to qualify. I was obviously not as devoted as I wanted to be. I tried to do Bible plans and pray, but I still felt that wasn't good enough. I was striving for for perfection, but yesterday I learned that no one on this earth had perfect faith. Another thing I rethought about is how sinful I am and that I'm never going to go to heaven without Jesus. Even if I act good, my thoughts are evil. My mom's testimony helped me think about this more deeply. Now I'm getting baptized this Sunday. Perhaps I've already believed but just wasn't ready for baptism due to my idea of the perfect faith. I'm glad I didn't get baptized before when something seemed a little bit out of place and I wasn't 100% ready, but now I know I am a child of God. Okay. All right, that was a pretty good testimony. What's your all's problem? All right. <laughs> Kayong, very proud of you and the decision that you've made. Kayong, do you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior and do you wish to follow him from this day forward? I do. Because you have a profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're buried with him in baptism, and you rise with him to eternal life. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you so much for Kai Young and the decisions she's made that changes her entire eternity. Let each of us look at our life and see what decision we need to be giving to you as well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to be over in Luke chapter 2 today. Luke chapter 2. We're going to read a part of the Christmas story that you may never have read or looked at much before. It's Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 22. As we look at the new year, we're going to be talking about how to have a happy new year. How do you have a happy new year? As you look into the future, 2019. It's just a couple of days away. How do you have a happy new year? Now, one way you can have a happy new year uh, is that you can go to some big New Year's celebration. Uh, you think, okay, well, I'll go to a friend's house or something. Uh, anybody here ever been to Times Square on New Year's Eve? One person. Okay, thank you. Thank you. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Got a picture right here. 
One million people show up on Times Square at New Year's Eve. Uh, Michael McClure, Jeannie's son, went to, to uh, New Year's Eve one time in Times Square. He said it was different than you thought. They had you cordoned off. They put you in a little pen area, and you couldn't leave that area for any reason. You were there for four to five hours before the festivities even started, and you were just stuck in this little area with all these other people. A million people jammed together like that. Who thinks that sounds like great fun? How to have a... Well, there's only a million people there in Rio de Janeiro. There's two and a half million people that show up for their New Year's Eve celebration every year. Two and a half million people. Almost unbelievable. Exact same thing. They put you in little areas. They cordon them off. You can't move. You can't get out. You're stuck there for several hours until they actually begin. And then you get to see the fireworks on New Year's Eve when it finally hits there. So maybe those aren't the best ways. Uh, Maybe you could say you did it one time and it would be good. But what do we need to do to have a happy New Year? Well, we're going to look over into Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 22, and talk about how to have a happy new year. And the first thing is this, we need to put God first and everything else will fall into place. If you put God first, everything else will fall into place in your new year. Now, when our scripture starts in Luke chapter two, it's eight days after Jesus was born. And there were some very uh, strict uh, laws in the Old Testament about what you did when a baby was born and, uh, and how you dedicated that child to God. And we're going to see that that's exactly uh, what happens in our scripture passage. Look down to verse 21. I'm sorry, verse 21 as we start. Now, on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Now, Mary and Joseph take great pains to do everything that the Old Testament law said about the birth of a child. And why wouldn't you? They knew their child was special. They knew their child was virgin born. It was supposed to be the Messiah. This child was going to be the savior of the world. And so they're going to take great efforts to make sure they followed all the law and concerning this child. So we're told on the eighth day, the child was circumcised. In Leviticus chapter 12, verse 3, that's exactly what it says, that on the eighth day, you're to take your child and he is to be circumcised. So they're following the Old Testament law here to the letter. We're also told in verse 21 that they named the child Jesus. At the child's circumcision was when the actual naming of the child took place. And they named the child exactly what the angel had told them to. The angel appeared both to Joseph and to Mary, told them the child was to be named uh, Jesus. And so they follow the Old Testament law. They're there on the eighth day. Jesus is circumcised. They name him Jesus. They're making great efforts to put God first and follow the law. As we look into the new year, that's going to be the key to us having the kind of good new year that we want is to put God first. God isn't trying to push out everything in your life. He's not trying to to make it where you don't have fun in areas of your life. He's trying to say, if you put me first, then the areas of your life that you're concerned about will become the way that you want them to be. If you put God first, then the problems you're having in your family will take on a different light as you're seeing them with God's eyes. If you think about your finances, they look different as you see them through God's eyes, your health, your weight, whatever. All of those things look differently when you see them through God's eyes by putting God first. 
And so I think there's three things here at the very beginning when it comes to putting God first that we see. And the first is this, and you're not going to want to hear it at all, but to put God first in your finances. To put God first in your finances. Do you know that, that the number three resolution that people make in a new year has to do with getting their finances in order? That's the third uh, most made resolution in the entire year is to get your finances in order. When people are asked, what's the number one stressor you have in your life? The number one stressor is finances. So there you look at, okay, it's the number one thing we stress about. It's the third thing we make New Year's resolutions about. Anybody know what the number one thing is? Lose weight because all Americans are fat, you know. And so, uh, you know, we, we get in there. And so, you know, that's the number one resolution. But number three, okay, don't say, don't say I'm not fat. Okay, I know some of you aren't fat. Excuse me. I didn't mean that. That we are, we are weight challenged. Uh, how is it? That, everybody feel better with that or something like that? All right. So putting God first in your finances. How do Mary and Joseph do that? Look down to verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites were crawled by the wall, but required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male was to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said of the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So they're there, Jesus is being circumcised, they're following the law. And one of the things the law said was that you needed to make a sacrifice dedicating your child to the Lord because he was your firstborn son. This goes all the way back to the Exodus when all the firstborn children had their, uh, uh, lost their lives uh, in, in the plagues of Egypt. And the firstborn of Israel was to be dedicated to God. And so you were to dedicate your child to, the God, to God. And we're told that what did they present when they dedicated him in verse 24? A pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, it's very interesting because this Old Testament law is from Leviticus 12, chapter 12. And it clearly says this in Leviticus chapter 12. The offering is to be a lamb for a burnt offering and then a pair of turtle doves for a sin offering. But all they did was offer the birds. Why? Because in Leviticus 12, 8, what it said is, but if you don't have enough money... To offer a lamb, there is an exception, and you can just offer the birds. So here are Mary and Joseph dedicating their child to the Lord, trying to follow everything God wants them to do, and they don't even have enough money to make the right sacrifice that the Old Testament law had prescribed. They don't have enough money to offer the lamb. And so all they can do is go to the exception clause, and they have to offer birds for both of the sacrifices because they don't have enough money to do this. And yet here's the thing. They still did it. They still sacrificed what little they have to offer the birds to give to Jesus. What we need to realize is if we want our finances to get in order, then we have to do exactly what the Bible says and follow, follow biblical paths in our finances. And really, it's very, very simple. Uh, Adam and I had a sermon on this a, a year or two ago, and it comes down to this. We spend too much, we go into too much debt, and we don't save. That, that's about it. Spend more money than we have, therefore we go into debt, and then we don't have anything to save, and then we get into financial troubles. And so what's the prescription to handle those problems? Don't spend too much, don't go into debt, and save. 
Man, that's rocket science, isn't it? When you think about it, people are writing this and I've never heard anything like this before. I should not spend more money than I have. I should not go into debt I can't pay off. I should probably save a little bit. And so you look at those things and we say, okay, that's not rocket science, but that is exactly the biblical principles that we're talking about here. If you want your finances to get in order, then you need to put God first in your finances and follow sound biblical advice in your finances. It's also interesting in our scripture that one of the things that Mary and Joseph did, even though they had no money at all, was that they still gave something to the Lord. And if you want to put God first in the new year, that's a good place to start is giving to the Lord. And here's why. Because giving really shows where your heart is. And it doesn't mean you have to give everything you have or give till you're broke or anything like that. As a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians 8.13, we have this particular philosophy. Our desire is not that others are relieved and you are hard-pressed, but that each give what they can afford and that they give equally. And so it's not that you give the same as a, as a rich person gives. It's that everybody gives what they can give. And then when everybody does their part, that's all that's required. And so we're seeing when we put God first in our finances, that handles one of the big problems we have in the new year and takes a burden off of that. Mary and Joseph did that. Even though they had nothing, they still gave to the Lord. A second thing in putting God first is not just putting God first in your finances, but to put your hope in God. To put your hope in God. As you look into the new year and everything that you're looking at and resolving, your hope needs to be in God. So maybe what you're resolving is, I want to lose weight. Well, if you're putting God first, then that's going to help as you look, okay, what are godly principles? What do I need to follow? What does God want? God needs to be first in all of these areas of your life. Look down to verse 25 of our scripture passage. Now, there's a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what was the custom of the law, Simeon took the boy in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all of Israel, a life of revelation of the Gentiles and the glory of your people. So there's this guy in the temple that day named Simeon. And Simeon just happens to be walking past as Mary and Joseph are taking Jesus in for the circumcision rite. And when, they, when he sees them, he immediately goes up and he takes the baby out of Mary's arm. Okay? Uh, and, and, okay, this old guy, he's taking the baby out, out of her arms. We're told Simeon had God revealed to him he was not going to die until he saw the Messiah. And so he takes Jesus out of Mary's arms and he holds the baby up and they have no idea who he is or what God has revealed to him. And he says, I can now die in peace. I have seen the Messiah. So you can imagine Mary and Joseph a little freaked out as this guy grabs their baby and starts holding him up and and going through that routine. But what he is saying here is, okay, this is the hope of Israel. Look again at verses 29 through 32. Uh, Verse 30, we're told, he's he's your salvation. Uh, He's a salvation of everyone, Gentiles, Jews. He has come to save the world. Our hope is is to be in Jesus. And so we begin to look at that and say, okay, am I putting my hope in Jesus? Because if I put my hope in Jesus, everything else begins to change. Everything else begins to turn around. 
I don't know what resolution you want this year. But I can tell you this, it will be made better and different and at a higher level when you begin to put it in God's eyes and put your hope in him. When you do that, it changes everything. Just as we talked about with finances, in any area of your life that seems to be out of control now, your hope needs to be in Jesus, and it moves everything to a higher level. You might have seen the picture. It's kind of gone viral over the Internet. Uh, there was a, a children's hospital in Dallas, Texas, that wanted to encourage the children at Christmas, so they paid a Santa Claus to come in. And so Santa came in, and he visited all the kids, and he cheered them up. And that's exactly what they wanted to happen. They wanted Santa to come in, the kids to see them, and to cheer Santa up. But then someone took this picture, and when they took the picture, it immediately went viral After Santa Claus had been to all the rooms and visited all the children, and he was leaving, he was seeing these children with cancer and surgeries and and terrible diseases and kids suffering, and he's in there trying to make them happy and everything. When Santa left the children's ward, he was crying, and he went in the chapel and got down on his hands and knees and began to pray. And do you know why? Because he may have been able to bring a little bit of joy for a few minutes. But for these children to really have the hope they needed, their hope had to be in God. It wasn't in Santa Claus coming by for a minute and saying hi to them in their room and wishing them a Merry Christmas. There had to be something greater. There had to be a stronger hope. And Santa goes into that chapel, gets down, and starts praying. And so our hope needs to be in God as we look into the new year, if we really want to have the new year we want. A third thing when it comes to uh, putting God first in our lives is to examine your heart. Examine your heart. Again, this is Simeon down to verse 33. The child's father and mother marveled at what he said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the fall and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed And a sword will pierce your own soul too. So he says two or three things here. One, he tells Mary, this child's going to be like a sword piercing your heart. And for Mary, that would be exactly the way it was. This child that she knew was the Messiah. This child that she knew was virgin born. This child she would see to grow up to be hated and mocked and tortured. And to die a terrible death on the cross. Just like a sword was being stuck in her heart. But he says something else about Jesus too. He said, this child is going to reveal hearts. He's going to reveal hearts. And as we look into the new year, we need to put God first. And the way we do that is by examining our heart. Where are we really? Now, we, we talk a good game. We, we look good when we come to church. You know, today uh, the children are, are uh, in children in preschool, they're wearing pajamas there. And so I thought if they can wear pajamas in the children's preschool department, I can wear a nice little sweater this morning because my wife had already left and didn't know what I was wearing. And so I thought I could wear a sweater and not wear a tie if the kids can wear pajamas, you know. So my heart was revealed. I don't like to wear ties, you know. But what does your heart say about you when you examine it and look at the new year? Here are some things to consider. Where is your heart hard and it needs to be softened? Where is it hard right now and it needs to be softened? What are things that you're just unbelieving about? You just don't trust God enough in and you've got to do it yourself. Where are you too timid and you won't step out in faith because you're just a little too timid? Where are you too inconsistent in your life when it comes to God? 
And where are you just not trying at all? Think about those things. Where's your heart right now? We're told that Jesus would come and would reveal the hearts of many. Where is your heart when it comes to God? Because knowing where your heart is makes all the difference in the world. If you want to get a happy new year going, then you need to examine your heart and say, where am I in my faith? Where am I in my relationship? Where am I not even trying when it comes to God right now? Interesting story this week out of Brazil. A homeless man was taken to the hospital, and they, they, uh, they had him in the emergency room. They were, they were trying to treat him, and they asked him, do you have any family? You know, they're filling out the forms. He goes, no, I don't have any family. And they said, do you have anybody that you can contact? And he said, no, I don't have anybody I can contact at all. And they said, do you have any, anybody that, that, you know, you know we, we need to call somebody to tell them that you're really sick. And they said, nobody at all. And he said, no, there's nobody. And then he said, well, is there anybody that loves you? And then he started to cry. And as he started to cry, they heard something at the door of the emergency room. And they turned around and looked. And this is what they saw when they looked. No, sorry, the dog picture. (laughs) That was my fault. Do we even have a dog picture? Oh, there you go. That's what they saw at the emergency room. Yes, he had some friends. They were the dogs that were out there with the homeless man. These dogs stayed there at that door for two days. The people in the emergency room fed them, watered them, took care of them. They refused to leave until that man left the hospital. So there they are on the, in the emergency room asking the man these questions. And they asked whether anybody loved you. He said, yes, I'm loved. I'm loved by these dogs uh, that are out there. His heart was revealed. So look at yourself and say, what does God need to reveal to me about my heart as I go into the new year? So the first thing we see when it comes to having a happy new year is you need to put God first. Put God first and he will bring the other things into place. Two other things briefly as we go forward as we look to have a happy new year. Number two, identify areas of concern and needs for growth and turn them over to God. What are areas of concern and needs for growth in your life right now? Look down to verse 36. There was also a prophet by the name of Anna, the daughter of Penuel, the tribe of Asher. She was very old, had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and was then a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. So they leave this strange guy, Simeon, who grabs the baby, says he's the Messiah, tells God he can die in peace, uh, blesses Mary and Joseph. Uh, They leave him. They think it's a little bit weird. And then they encounter this lady by the name of Anna. Now, Anna was in the temple all day and night, every day. She never left the temple. She was always there worshiping, fasting, praying to God. She'd gotten married when she was a young teenage girl, was married seven years. Her husband died, and from that time on, she had been a widow and had stayed in the temple worshiping God, not leaving, giving her life totally over to God. So this woman that everybody would have known in the temple shows up, and the exact same thing happens. Look down to verse 38. Coming up to them at that very moment, the very moment that Simeon had left, She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. And so she comes forward and what she says, okay, this child is the one that's going to redeem Israel. Now, what's redemption? Redemption is that a price is being paid 
to buy something back that was lost. And so you are being redeemed from that. Uh, that there, there's a redemption being paid. And in our salvation, it is our sins. Jesus is redeeming our sins by his death on the cross. And so we're told that he's the one that's going to redeem Israel. He's the one that's going to buy back that which was lost. And so as you look at the new year, a good thing to do is to ask yourself, what have I lost? Where am I hurting? Where am I stressed at right now that I need to be giving over to God? Where's my anxiety? Where, where am I falling apart in my life? Is it in my relationships? Is it a particular relationship? Is it in my finances? Is it with my health? Is it with a loved one that has passed away? And we look at these things and we said, okay, where in my life do I need redemption? Because you see, Jesus came to do more than redeem you from your sin. Jesus came to redeem you from the curse of sin that was placed in the Garden of Eden. And that curse has brought about all the hurts and pains and troubles and anxieties and stress that we have in this world. And so he is your redeemer. And so look at your life and say, where am I hurting right now? Where am I stressed? What keeps me up at night? And then say, I am going to give those things over to God. I'm going to say, you're my redeemer in those things. I'm willingly giving them to you. I'm willingly handing them over to you. And when you do that, you're going to find everything begins to take place. Now, God's not going to just wipe away every problem and trouble you have, but you'll walk through the valley of the shadow with him. You'll never be alone. Anything that you're going to hit in the next year, you know that he's going to be with you. And so what that means is I don't know what the new year holds. I don't know if it's going to be good or bad. I don't know if you're going to have some troubles or some great triumphs. But I do know this. When you realize God is your redeemer, you're not going to face anything in 2019 that the God you worship is not greater than. He loves you. He's going to be with you every single step of the way. Hal Vaughn's daughter had just become a stewardess. Uh, and found out that since she was the the low person on a totem pole, uh, that she was going to have to work Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And it was going to be the first Christmas Eve and Christmas Day that she wasn't going to be with her family. And her dad said, well, I can't take that. And so she had six flights that she had to make on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And so her dad booked all six flights and took the flights with his daughter so he could spend Christmas Eve and Christmas Day with her and that she would not be alone. And so that's her dad over there in the glasses. The, the guy there took the picture, put it on the Internet, and said, just saw the neatest thing today. Well, that immediately went viral. And for the last three flights the company bumped him up to first class because it made such, such an impression on it. So he got to fly first class after that, and he said, I just wanted my daughter to know that she was loved and she was not alone on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Well, that's exactly what God wants you to know, that as you go into 2019, you are not going into it alone. There may be some major hurdles and problems that you have in the new year, but there is one who is going with you every single leg of the journey, and you need to hold on to that in the new year. And that brings us to the last thing that we see in our scripture passage. Be patient and realize it's a process. Be patient and realize that it's a process. Look down to verse 39 of our scripture passage. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, 
They took pains to do everything the word of the Lord required. Why? Because as Jesus was starting his life, they wanted to start him with God in the right way. As we start the new year, we need to start it with God and in the right way. After they did this, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So they go back to Nazareth. Jesus begins to grow up. We're told he grows in wisdom. Uh, He grows in stature. Uh, God's grace is upon this child as he begins to grow and mature, and they slowly begin to see the wisdom of the Lord in this child. As you look at 2019, realize that whatever resolution you may be making, that those resolutions don't just happen overnight. Uh, You don't lose 20 pounds in one day, okay? Uh, That it's going to take a little bit of time as you do that. Uh, You don't, you don't, uh, have a complete change of your life all at once. Things take time. Things are a process, and we have to realize that God works through processes. God's not in any hurry. God enjoys today. We're always trying to live tomorrow. We're always trying to say, when's my graduation? When's do I get the promotion? When do I get a bigger house? When do I get the car I want? And we're always looking ahead. The only day you have is right now. And God wants you to live today the best that you can live it and then worry about tomorrow. So take where you are today and do the best you can with it. Realize that God is moving and growing and maturing you every single step of the way. Do you know where our anxiety and and all of our tension and stress comes from? Is that we're always longing for things that we don't yet have. Instead of just enjoying the moment and what we have today. This is the only day you have. Realize it's a process. Live it to the fullest. Don't miss the present by stressing so much about the future. Just live today for all it's worth and realize God's creating in you a new thing. It is a process, and it's never going to be completed. You will never be perfect, and you will never be what you want to be until heaven. There will, there will, you'll always have, uh, you know, those things that hold you back. You'll never be complete. You'll never be mature until heaven, but it should be a process of growing and getting closer to God. A good yardstick I, I tell people that they can always use isn't, am I closer to God today than I was yesterday? Am I closer to God today than I was a year ago? If you're, if you're not closer to God today than you were a year ago, then there's a problem in your life. Are you growing and maturing and getting closer to God? Can you see that taking place over the long term? It's a process. We need to be patient and live for the day. Curtis Tarks is a bus driver in Dallas, Texas, and uh, he's got uh, 70 children that ride his bus uh, that are either coming or going to school uh, during the day at different parts of his route that he travels. And so at the beginning of the year, he started finding out all of these kids' names. And then he started hearing some of their stories. And then he started really investing in these children, they begin to mean a lot to him. And so he took out a pad one day and he wrote down every kid's name and he started writing about things about their family until he learned the names of all 70 kids on his school bus. And then about halfway through the year, he said, man, I want to buy all these kids a Christmas present, but I'm a bus driver. I can't do that. 
And so he went home and he talked to his wife and he said, I don't know why God has laid these kids on my heart. And I just feel like I need to buy them all a present because most of them are coming from bad homes and neighborhoods. And his wife said, well, then we need to start saving. And so they started taking a portion out of both of their checks and setting it aside. And on the last day of school, when those kids got on the bus, he had 70 presents, including one, a bicycle that a kid wanted. On the bus when the kids got on because he and his wife had been preparing for six months. Got a picture of him right here uh, and some of the presents you see stacked up on the bus when the kids uh, got on that day. Seventy presents, but it didn't happen overnight. Curtis didn't show up the day before school was out and say, I think we need to buy 70 presents. Let's get out the credit card. Because, Adam, that would not have been sound financially, right? So he couldn't, they didn't, that wasn't the way to do it. So they saved for six months until they were able to do that. It was a process. The neatest part of this story is that one of the kids asked him this question when he got his present. Is this present from Santa Claus? And Curtis said this, no, this present is from Jesus. Because a year ago when I first met you, Jesus put you on my heart. And I've been praying for you ever since. And I just wanted you to know God loved you. Now, what a great testimony. But it takes planning and and realizing that it's a process. As you go into the new year, don't miss the present. Waiting for something in the future. Live each day for what it's worth. And realize God is doing a good work in you. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you so much for the way that you love us. Help us, dear Lord, to realize if we want a new year and a good year that we need to give it to you and trust you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we come to this time of invitation, the first part of the invitation is just right where you're standing is to say, Lord, help me to start the new year with you. To realize that whatever's going on in my life, whatever resolution I need to make, it's going to be better if I make it in and through and put you first in that area of my life. And when you do that, Lord, I'm putting you first in my health, putting you first in my relationship, first in my finances, whatever it may be. When you do that, you're going to see a change in your life. Just right where you're standing, pray, Lord, in this new year, help me put you first. Then this time, you can come and pray at this altar. We've got some tremendous hurts and things going on in our community uh, the, the police officer who was tragically killed uh, uh, on Christmas Eve was a, a, someone who had grown up in our youth group and was very special to a lot of us uh, here. And Deidre is somebody that I loved a lot. And, and she was here, I guess, about three years ago on Christmas Eve service. And uh, I actually had her stand up because she was just taking a break and, and uh, had, was driving by the church and said, I think I can make the Christmas Eve service during my break. And ran in, and, and uh, she's a special lady, and there's a lot of hurt that, that's out there, and uh, you just come pray, pray at the altar, give it, give it to God. Uh, during this time, you can come and say, I want to join this church, be a part of what this church is doing in our world and in our community, and the most important decision you could ever do is exactly what Kai Young did earlier, and that's to come and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. What a better way to start the new year than to say, if I'm going to start it with Jesus, I need to give my life to Jesus. And you just come and you, and you come down and say, I want to give him my life as Lord and Savior. Follow him in baptism. But this is your time as we stand together.
Look forward to 2019. Whatever are the ashes of your life now, he's the resurrected king that can do something with it when you give yourself to him. Kayung, come on down if you will. Kayung, I want to present you this certificate of baptism and have everybody stare at you so you feel uncomfortable. Is that good? (laughs) There you go, my dear. Now, if you will stay up here with me because everybody wants to come by and make you feel even more uncomfortable by saying hi to you and telling you how proud they are of you and hugging you and things, okay? Okay, all right. Uh, We're going to have a prayer, and then we do. You come by and say something to uh, to Kai Young and uh, tell her uh, just how proud you are of her and that you're going to be praying for her as well. Uh, She begins this process of coming closer and closer uh, to the Lord that we go through this entire uh, life. Next Sunday, uh, I'm going to be preaching a sermon uh, on uh, uh, looking at the future of our church and where we are. We're going to look at the past, where we've been, and look at the future and where we're go- going. And uh, so that will be next Sunday. And I know you're not going to want to miss that, uh, either end of it. You might not know where we've been, and you probably want to know where we're going. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go over all that next week. All right, let's look at that. And uh, so let's close with a prayer if we could. Dear Lord, I thank you for Kai Young. I thank you for the decision that she made today and how has it encouraged so many people here. Dear Lord, our, our heart hurts this morning for Deidre and for her family, but Lord, we know that you are the resurrected king, and we just pray your hope and your peace uh, with all of her friends, with all of her family uh, as we go into the future. And Father, for each of us now, as we look at the year 2019, help us to realize, Father, that from our ashes of defeat that you can bring the victory uh, through what you do through Jesus. And we just turn all of this over to you now as we look to a new year. And in Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.